Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. First Peter 5, we're in our series, My Favorite Passages. We spent four or five weeks in Joshua 1, and uh, we spent two weeks in James 1. And so today we go to another one of my favorite passages over these 53 years of calling from the Lord. Just read along with me. If you have not been here before, we like to just go straight down the scriptures and see what the Lord would say to us. The elders who are among you, I exhort. Now understand that the word elder in scripture is presbyteros, and it literally means an older person or a senior person who, and the, and the connotation of Scripture is a mature, spiritual, spiritually mature, older person in the Lord. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, that is, the Apostle Peter is calling himself an elder. In fact, that is what uh, that's what I am. And uh, you, you can have different offices in the church, but God calls out elders. And uh, by the way, let me just say this uh, while we're uh, going there. Elders are not to be elected like a de- democratic deal just like a democracy. It's not a popularity contest. We don't operate by democracy. We operate by kingdom law. And the rules of kingdom can sometimes get placed under human tradition. And uh, we're not all about that. Elders are appointed by spiritual leadership. In the book of Acts, I've got the place there in the Word for you, the apostles appointed elders. And then Paul assigned Timothy and Titus, who were both pastors commissioned by the apostle. He assigned those pastors to appoint elders in the congregation. So understand that that is the way it should, and those elders should have a track record of spiritual maturity and leadership. They should be able to get to, to, you ought to be able to put the litmus test of the spiritual qualifications on elders. And uh, you know, there are no no perfect uh, people in the church. I told the group this morning that the older I get, it seems that the more correction I seem to receive. Y'all pray for me. Peter says, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of of the glory. How many of you know that glory is associated with suffering? That's not popular preaching. 
glory that is a, an increased revelation of the presence of the Lord is developed through suffering. It might be the suffering of denying ourself. It might be the suffering of rejection. It might be the suffering of having to wait for the manifestation of something that is promised and provided for. Whatever it is, there is glory that is connected with suffering. He says to elders, spiritual leaders, shepherd the flock of God. So what does an elder do? A shepherd. Poimenos in the Greek. What does a shepherd do? Well, let's see what he says here. Serving. It's not a political office. It is not for recognition. It is a service position. Serve as overseers. Not an overseer in the sense of telling people what to do, but a shepherd is to oversee the flock. And elders are to be an extension of the pastor. To look over what's going on, the spiritual condition of the flock. To look over the spiritual condition of the flock. Remember what the word is from the apostle in the word? I exhort, shepherd. So I'm saying to Steve Franklin and I'm saying to all the elders and the prospective elders, and there are some of those, step up your service. Step up overseeing the spiritual condition of the flock. Be sensitive in your prayers. Be sensitive in your serving. Be sensitive in, in, in your encouragement. Shepherd, not by compulsion, but willingly and not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords, that is, bosses and tyrants over those entrusted to you. Do you know that spiritual leadership in some traditions is almost a rock star status? This is about overseeing, shepherding, tending to, feeding, leading, protecting, not being put on a high exalted pedestal as not being able to do anything without somebody doing it for you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Shepherd, being an example. I'm saying this to the elders and prospective elders of the church. Are you being an example? Am I being an example in how we conduct our lives, our relationships, our personal business? Are we participating in worship? Are we supporting the work of the church? Do we endure hardship and personal pain? I personally will not appoint an elder of the church who hadn't been through some stuff. You hadn't been through some stuff, you're not qualified to be a spiritual overseer leader.
Are you willing, elders, are you willing to, to participate in hands-on prayer? James 5 is an example of someone who is sick coming to the elders of the church for hands-on prayer and anointing. There's other scriptures that say that an elder ought to be able to teach. He may not have the assignment to teach, but he's able to teach. And in his interpersonal relationships with children, grandchildren, business associates, are you able to teach? I didn't make this up. This is what the Word says. Notice the great reward. When the chief shepherd, how many of you know there's not but one? When the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You're going to receive, if you will faithfully serve as an elder, you will receive a manifestation of the glory of Jesus in the, that is going to crown you because you have tended his sheep, fed, watched over, encouraged, exhorted, and at times corrected the sheep. Likewise, verse 5, you younger people. Remember, an elder literally means an older, a senior, a seasoned believer. Likewise, you younger people, that is, younger chronologically and younger in the Lord. Submit yourselves to your elders. Submit to the spiritual leadership that those that you've chosen to associate with are trying to exert. Yes, now listen to this, all of you be submissive to one another. You know what that's saying? That those who are spiritually less mature, those who are chronologically younger, should submit to the leadership of the older, more mature members of the church but it also says for those of us who are elders that we are submit to submit to the younger. Mutual submission. Not a popular concept. Mutual submission. Did you know that it is popularly taught in certain circles of Christianity, especially in ultra-conservative places, that wives ought to always submit to their husbands in everything. Ephesians 5. And Ephesians 5 does say that, that wives are to submit to their husbands. Did you read what came before that? Right before that, the Lord says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I hadn't met a woman yet who wouldn't submit to the love of Jesus. Over the long haul. And did you know that before he ever talks about submitting yourselves, wives submit yourselves to your husbands, do you know, have you ever read that in the context? Have you ever read two or three verses above that? It says, submit yourselves to one another. Be mutually submissive. It's not about somebody getting their way all the time. Just thought I would add that little part, and I hope it'll increase tithes and offerings from the mothers and, and women. (Laughter) 
God's attitude. Let's look here. Submit yourselves. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Because, now watch this. Here's the heart of our message today. God resists the proud. But he gives grace, favor, and ability. Favor and supernatural ability. That's what grace is. Charis in the Greek. C-H-A-R-I-S. He gives favor and supernatural ability to the humble. He resists the proud. This is one of the most sobering verses in all the Bible to me. Stand up here just a minute, Stephen. I want you to... I want you I want you to I want you to assume that this is God right here whoa <laughs> I feel the power <clears throat> now hold your hand out like you were straight arming somebody in football and this is me you know what this word is really saying that if I think act or allow pride to develop in me, in my thoughts, in my actions, God is going to have to hold me at arm's length. The God who loves me unconditionally, the God who gave His own Son to get me into His family, the God who has called me holy and righteous and blameless in Christ, will have to hold me at arm's length if I operate in pride. Wow. Why is that? Several reasons. Number one, because pride is the heart of the devil. Did you know what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? Read Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28 sometime and you will see that what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven was the development of pride. He used to be a covering angel, an angel that gave glory to the Father. But he began to develop an eye problem. Isaiah 14 says, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And finally, I will, he said, I will set my throne above the throne of God Almighty. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. Do you know what got Adam and Eve kicked out of a perfect environment? They listened to the one who was rooted in pride. And his voice was, you don't need to submit to God. Has God said you shall not eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He knows that if you do, you'll be like him. Why don't you just be above him like I am? You don't need him. The lie is... If you resist, then you can be in charge. The truth is, you only get authority and dominion by submitting. Adam and Eve bought into the devil's lie, and it is propagated ever since. 
Turn to the left there. Hold your place there. Turn to the book of Luke. I want you to see what Jesus said. Luke 18, verse 14. It's also quoted for us in Matthew 23. Jesus said, verse 14, Matthew 18, everyone, everybody say, that includes me. Boy, that was weak. Everybody say, that includes me. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, brought down. He who humbles himself, that is, submits himself totally to me, will be what? Exalted, promoted, placed in a higher position. Now go back to our 1 Peter 5 passage. God resists the proud. I don't know about you, but I can't afford to be resisted by God, can you? Pastor, how do I know when I am acting in pride. Well, here are some questions that I need to ask myself. Maybe you do too. I might have pride if I act like I always know what you should do. I might have pride if I am, if I believe that I am responsible for all my blessings and all my successes. I might have pride if I feel like that I am in control of my life. I might have pride if I feel like you are blessed to have me. I might have pride if I feel like I need no one else, I am irreplaceable. I might have pride if I take credit for my own blessings. I might have pride if I always feel like I know exactly what to do. I might have pride if I feel like everyone needs me. Pride is an attitude that produces thoughts and actions. It's an attitude of self-sufficiency, independence, even it is being absorbed with recognition. Do you know, it's okay to really want affirmation and recognition. It's okay to want it. It's just not okay to strive internally to get it. What does the Lord do when he starts resisting me? Sometimes it starts with interrupting my plans. You ever had your plans interrupted? Boy, that'll humble you, won't it? You got it all planned out. Dean and I turned 60 years old, we had it made. We had a long-term, very faithful, very generous partnership base. We had every weekend off. 
And when you're in ministry, to be able to just do what you go where you want to go, go to worship with where you want to, do anything, not being responsible for anything. 60 years old, we had it made. Our needs were met. We had a wonderful partnership base. And one day the Lord interrupted our world and said, All right, now it's time for you two to begin to offer a church to those who are not connecting, who are hurting or displaced. It's now time for you to offer a faith family the way I have called you to, a very simple way. And now it's time for you to start that. And 20 of us has turned into 120. But my, our whole world got changed at 60 years old. You have no idea what it's like to run a 25-year-old ministry, be a bishop over 15 ministries, and to have to work every weekend. I'm not griping. I wouldn't do anything else. But what I'm trying to tell you is God is going to interrupt your plan sometime. And he is going to ask you if you are willing to do something that's not in your plan. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to humble myself and do it? Or am I going to pretend like I didn't hear it? Now, don't misunderstand what I just said. I wouldn't do anything else. I thrive on being able to serve the Lord with this, with, with, with you. I wouldn't do anything else. And if you stop calling on me when you need me, I'm going to really be irritated with you. Because this is my assignment. I'm just telling you that God has a way of interrupting your plans. And I had an opportunity, Dina had an opportunity to humble ourselves and submit. Sometimes the Lord resists us by changing our schedule. Don't you just hate it when that which you have become familiar with and you got it down gets changed? Don't you just hate it? One of the ways that the Lord begins to resist us is changing our schedule. Sometimes the Lord moves us out of our comfort zone. It feels like we're having to reinvent the wheel out of obedience to the Lord. But what does the Word say? Whoever exalts himself will be brought down, and whoever humbles himself, what does it mean to humble yourself? Let's take a look at it. What does it mean? If it's so important, if God resists me wherever I've got pride, I've prayed this week, Lord, show me any area where there's pride, and I will repent. Why are you going to do that? Because you're so godly? No, because I can't afford being resisted by God. Can you? I can't, stand, I, I can't have God working against me. Why would God work against me? Because if I've got pride, I have become deceived into thinking that I'm self-sufficient, and that means I'm on my way to destruction. God resists the proud. Do you know that goes not only for an individual, it goes for a business, it goes for a church, it goes for a nation.
How do I humble myself? Well, it's no fun, but it is mighty. Number one, we have to decide to seek His agenda. You know what that means? Remember these two words, admit and submit. It's not in your outline. This is free. Admit and submit. Admit to the Lord, I am not in control. I'm not even capable of controlling my life. I'm not capable of controlling other people. I'm not capable of making a living that will bring glory to you. I'm not capable of deciding what I should do all the time. I admit that I am totally dependent on you. Jesus never sinned, did he, Lawrence? You know what he said? I do nothing unless it's something I see my father doing. He said, I admit I'm totally dependent on you, and he didn't have any sin. What did the Apostle Paul say? In and of myself, I am nothing, and I can do nothing in my flesh. Have you admitted your total dependency on the Lord, that there is nothing good in your life that is apart from him? I admit I am totally dependent on you. I am not self-sufficient. I am totally dependent. Secondly, submit. That is, Lord, I bring my plans, I bring my desires, I bring all that I am and have. I submit all that I am and all that I have, all my aspirations, all my activities, I submit to you. Bring glory to yourself through me. I submit to you. I submit my relationships. I submit my times to you. See, if I keep on pushing God to do it on my timetable, I might have pride. So I've got to submit to his timing because it is perfect. I, in my personal relationships with others, if I humble myself, I have to see them as being the child of God, and therefore of great value. And I have to be willing to place their desires and intentions above mine. You know what that means? Now, we're talking about interpersonal relationships here. We're not talking about legal and, and violations of, of law and relationships. We're talking about interpersonal relationships with those that God has put in your life that you're to interrelate to. It means that it should be more important for you to walk with them in love and respect and unity than it is for you to be right. If you insist on being right, you might check the pride meter. Do you know that Jesus was and is always right? Always perfect. But he sought relationship with you. He laid aside his rights and privileges as perfect, always right God and became a man and served you. So, 
Don't allow pride to deceive us into thinking that if we're going to be what we ought to be, we got to always be right. You will hurt relationships that way and deceive yourself. To humble ourselves means that sometimes, are you listening? Are you listening, church? Sometimes when you know that somebody you're in relationship with is hurt, it means sometimes you need to go to them under the direction of the Holy Spirit and say, I see and feel and perceive that I have hurt you. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. You say, well, what if I'm not wrong? Where in what I just said did you hear wrong? Y'all want me to repeat it? I sense that I have hurt you. I am so sorry you're hurt. Please forgive me. Even if you don't think you're wrong, you can humble yourself. Having a relationship is better than being right. Humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves. What does that do? I can't tell you how many times when Bryant was with us, I had to walk up the stairs to his bedroom and humble myself and ask him to forgive me for the way I handled something. That's humbling. I had to ask somebody the other day, please forgive me. And if you've got a successful marriage, if you don't ever ask for forgiveness, you've got problems brewing you don't even know about. Because this is a covenant. And you're going to hurt your covenant if you don't humble yourself. I said you're going to hurt your covenant if you don't humble yourself. You're going to resist, you're going to destroy intimacy with your spouse if you act like you don't ever get anything wrong. And if you destroy intimacy, you're violating the, the Word of God of what ought to take place between a husband and a wife. Humbling ourselves. It removes the trap of strife. Do you know that if you humble yourself, strife has to leave the room? James 3.16 says, where there is strife, where there is self-seeking and selfish ambition, where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil thing. Do you know that if you get in strife, when you get in self-seeking and a, and a fight of your wills, do you know that you open the door to confusion and every evil thing? to come into your house, into your business, into your room. Can you afford that? Confusion and every evil thing. It's a whole lot better to humble yourself. It makes strife leave the room. You ever tried to argue with somebody who refused to argue? 
Have you ever been so tense and been in so, and, and look, if you don't ever have, if you don't ever get crossways with one another, you're dead and don't know it. I do not believe these people who say we don't ever have any disagreements. Fill your pulse. You ain't here. Humbling ourselves drives strife out the room because remember what the word says? For lack of kindling, the fire goes out. Strife leaves the room when I humble myself. What else happens? It cleanses my inner man and it cleanses the atmosphere. Sometimes when Dean and I have gotten into a disagreement or been in strife with one another, when there is a humbling, when there is an admission, when there is an asking for forgiveness, strife not only leaves the room, but we have felt a cleansing internally and externally. It just cleanses the atmosphere. And I know some of you didn't even hear that. You're like, Pastor, y'all have disagreement. Get a life. It cleanses the atmosphere. It's, it, it releases strife. And do you know what? It, it relaxes your spirit. Do you know why? Because if you're in strife with somebody, your spirit is grieved. It's loaded down. It doesn't work right. And your spirit, man, and its health is the key to your well-being. It quenches your joy. It grieves your love and the fruits of the Spirit. There's confusion, there's, there's emotional response in your soul, and even your body is not going to be healthy for long if you're carrying strife. It'll begin to break down. Now I've written here, there is, there is more value, real lasting value in being humble and vulnerable than there is in being right. Well, now next week we're going to see how to humble yourself. There's more to it than admitting and submitting. And it is a beautiful picture of how Jesus humbled himself and his example and the grace to do it for us. Let's all stand. Would you pray this with me? Just in your own heart. Just follow this simple direction, please. Would you ask the Lord to point out to you by His Spirit? And I want to warn you, sometimes His Spirit uses other people. Sometimes He uses circumstances. Ask the Lord to point out to you those areas in your life like I'm praying for myself. This is the prayer that I have for myself. In fact, let's all pray it together. Would you follow me? Dear Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me those areas in my life where there's pride. Show me where I am being resisted by you. I want your favor. I want your ability. I want your promotion. So show me those areas where I need to repent. And by your grace, I will do it. 
Lord Jesus, give us the grace to follow through. Break down every wall between us and our covenant relationships. Remove strife between brothers and sisters of ours. God, I ask you to cleanse our inner atmosphere and cleanse our outer atmosphere, Lord. We ask that your spirit may be free to do anything and everything you want to do in our inner man, in our home, in our work, and in our church. We pray for the spirit of unity, for you to be not grieved, Lord, but very present and to show forth your glory. Give special grace now in a release of strife. The grace to humble ourselves, Lord, under your mighty hand, knowing that promotion follows. And so, God, as we study these scriptures, give us great revelation. Church, next week I want to talk about the, pro the promotion, the advancement that is coming your way if you will learn to humble yourself. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.